0: Okay. happy holiday weekend everyone on today's episode we talk ambulatory infusion centers with the COO of we infuse hope you enjoy <laughs> Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waith, and I'm, today I'm accompanied by Reese Norris, the uh, Chief Operating Officer of WeInfuse. Reese, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Richard. Appreciate you having me.
0: So, today is going to be an interesting topic, and uh, we're throwing uh, the listeners for a little bit of a curveball. Um, the topic is still healthcare. We usually have pharmacists on, um, but Reese is not a pharmacist. Um, however, he's in the pharmacy space, but um, I'm really excited to hear his perspective, talk about his company, um, why it, it got started, why him and the founders started this company and dive into ambulatory infusion centers. And I think it's, it's a topic I don't think we've ever actually talked about on on the podcast. So I'm excited to learn more about it. I'm excited to you know explain what it means, what it is, why it's important, um, why it's growing in popularity. Uh, to the listeners. But before we get into that, Reese, if you can please uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself first.
1: Absolutely, Richard. Well, I'm actually a lawyer by trade, so don't hold any of that against me. <laughs> uh, re- retired, so to speak, um, still practice, if you will, for for our company and help, uh, obviously, with that. But so after law school, I started uh, practicing a law firm. And from there, um, my good college friend, Brian Johnson, co-founder of We Infuse, as well, And my dad had actually started an infusion center management company. So they were managing infusion centers for physician offices. And this is going to go somewhere and kind of rope in how I actually got into the company. So as they were growing the business, I was involved in the periphery, uh, chiming in, um, providing my free advice, my two cents, where, where they would actually listen um, a couple of partners wanted to exit that business. I was at a, again, I was at a law firm. So it really opened up an opportunity for me to jump into the business head first as a partner as well. And when I did that, my dad really handed the keys to me and Brian. He had kind of run his course there. He still had a separate business that he was running as well. So Brian and I really took the reins and, you know, tried to grow the business. So he was also a partner in the business as well. So when, we, when I showed up, we were still managing Infusion Center as well. We realized that we really wanted to own them. We felt there was a niche in the market for actually owning an independent infusion center. Um, so that's what we did. We slowly transitioned out of managing infusion centers for physicians to actually owning them. Uh, we operated in most of the major markets in Texas, uh, by the time we were finished opening all of our infusion centers, uh, and our infusion centers were targeted primarily on the autoimmune space, autoimmune disease space. So we, um, our referral sources were primarily gastroenterologists, neurologists, immunologists, and rheumatologists, and they would refer to us. We were a, a neutral site, a Switzerland, so to speak, uh, for them to refer patients to us. And even if they had their own infusion centers, they would refer patients to us as well. Um, and through that genesis of owning and operating infusion centers, we continued to take systems, hack them, because there is there was no infusion center software at the time, uh, so what led us down a pathway of starting an infusion center software company is we actually created our own proprietary infusion center software that ran our infusion centers. And so from there, we had built an infusion center business. We had five infusion centers. We had a, a proprietary software. And we uh, at that time, my dad's like, hey, I've run the course. He was still the majority shareholder. Uh, really thought it could be time to go out and see if we could exit the business we did. We successfully sold to a strategic buyer in late 2012. We sold to Paragon Healthcare, which is based in Dallas. It was a great uh, partner and acquisition partner. Most of the folks have horror stories when they sell their business. We did not. Uh, we have a really good story. Um, Brian and I actually stayed on. We had a three-year commitment, so to speak. We actually stayed on almost four. Continue to grow that line of business for them. So today, I think they're up, up to almost 12 infusion centers. Um, And then we recently, in 2016, we launched WeInfuse. And WeInfuse is the first end-to-end software system that dedicated to infusion centers. We obviously had a proprietary system, but we didn't license that to any third party. So WeInfuse is really built from ground up. We started from scratch uh, for infusion centers, you know, on a more scalable platform than our legacy software system. So that's how I got into the business. It's been an incredible journey as we'll get into the biologic uh, autoimmune space, it is fascinating. It's growing rapidly. I just met with a pharmaceutical company yesterday about a new postpartum drug that's a 60-hour infusion. So, you know, it started out being just rheumatology, gastroenterology, neurology, and but now it's expanding into other specialties as well. You know, OBGYN, um, there's new migraine infusion therapies, Alzheimer's drugs are in the pipeline. So it's an exciting space and continues to grow rapidly.
0: Yeah. So that that's a great, you know, uh, story as to how you kind of got into it. And um, before before we move on, though, I actually want to go a little bit further back. And the reason I I want to is because you're 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 a lawyer. So you went to law school, you graduated, you know, you did a lot of years of schooling to essentially specialize in law and become, you know, a doctor in law or whatever. (laughs) So (laughs) what. And we have pharmacists that are listening now that have done the same thing where they've gone, you know, they've did massive amounts of schooling and specialized in, in you know, medications. What was it like? And kind of give us some insight as to, you know, making that jump. You know, was it always there? Was it kind of random? Maybe give some insight or advice to a, someone that, you know, went their whole, essentially their whole academic career to become a pharmacist, but then for some reason may decide to, into a completely different line of business
1: well absolutely i think for me i i really actually enjoyed the practice of law i was working for a great law firm um it, but it was i didn't wake up with that fire in my belly I, I didn't you know dislike what i did by any means i was learning a ton and you know i only uh practiced for two years i worked for a judge and, and worked for a law firm um but when when an opportunity came and i you know, again grew up with parents that were entrepreneurs had small businesses, and you know, we're trying to grow them to big businesses, and so that, that's what I was around. And so, for me, when the opportunity came to join the business, and knowing I was going to be working alongside Brian, it really opened up, you know, an opportunity that I jumped up, jumped at. To your point, my education gap was pretty significant, um, moving from you know a finance degree at Baylor and corporate law, so I was mainly dealing with you know like corporate finance and legal issues to going into healthcare, which has its own you know, vocabulary and really its own language altogether um, was a huge leap. And I recommend to anyone just start in the trenches. I mean, I literally started verifying uh, claims as we'll get into all of these drugs typically require, uh, you know, a, pre, a prior authorization or predetermination. And so I just started at the in the trenches to learn. And I felt like I learned a lot by doing that to see what our current, before I made any recommendations about how the company should be run. You know, learn what they're doing today and then you can see the, the process improvements that you can make over time. That's really what when Brian and I were handing the keys, that's how we approached the business. He was already, you know, pretty much an expert at that point. He's definitely an expert today in the business. Um, so I could lean on him as well, which is really, really helpful.
0: Yeah, I think that's great um, to hear kind of from you being that you're doing it because, you know, a lot of pharmacists are at some point may realize that you know even though they've done all that schooling, they want to go and do something else, which is perfectly fine. It's great, and and I think you're a great example of how that can be a success story and and how that can be fulfilling. So thank you for that insight. Um, for sure. Tell us. So let's all right. Let's move towards what is an ambulatory infusion center anyway? Like why why do we even need it? What what to, what's that role in healthcare essentially?
1: Yeah, so infusion centers again are you know primarily certain when I see an infusion center I not I do not mean like a vitamin clinic or a hangover clinic at all those are growing in rapid popularity but for the purpose of this kind of session we'll keep it to the ambulatory infusion centers today primarily service uh, an autoimmune disease patient population so they're treating Crohn's lupus um, rheumatoid arthritis I'm trying to think what I've already said MS Those are kind of the main disease states. There's definitely others. Um, Just a whole host of autoimmune disorders, and they serve a significant value in healthcare. I mean, it's it's a growing niche. The pipeline of drugs that's in the queue uh, at the FDA is large. The number of drugs on the market today is is already significant. So it's a multi-billion-dollar industry already. But where where it really serves a need is obviously these patients typically are coming in at a recurring frequency. So it's every month or every eight weeks, or maybe it's a few times a year. But they're looking for a cost-effective, non-institutional medicine, you know, so out of the hospital, out of an LTAC, whatever it is, and looking for a cost-effective site of care. And so when we were in the business, side of care optimization was just this buzzword um, that today payers are truly, payers meaning insurers, are truly looking for optimal sites of care from not only not only from a cost-effective standpoint, but also a clinic also clinically. And so infusion centers check all those boxes, right? It's a cheaper side of care than a hospital. Um, if an infusion center is run appropriately, it's typically clinically safer, if not as safe as a hospital. And so um, and and I say that because the staff and the team at these infusion centers focus on these disease states and these drugs and the delivery of these drugs. Whereas you know a hospital is obviously dealing with a whole host of you know, issues um, outside of this specific niche. So, you know, someone can really focus on on this niche. So they serve a tremendous need in the market. So going back to your original question, infusion centers can be independent. That's what we owned and operated. Uh, They can be part of a physician's office. A lot of rheumatologists, a lot of gastroenterologists, neurologists have infusion centers themselves. Home infusion pharmacies. So home infusion pharmacists can have infusion suites as well. And so there's a, they live in multiple places for us and our purposes An infusion center is in the way we bill and the way we're credentialed with payers is typically under the place of service 11. So it's literally seen by the payer as a physician's office or a clinic, even though um, we're calling it an infusion center. Hopefully that all makes sense. There's a lot of very granular detail in, in that, but
0: yeah, no. I, what I one thing I'd also be interested in is maybe hearing about what the experience for a patient might be like. Because a lot of times, you know, pharmacists are dealing with patients that come to the pharmacy, and they might discuss about you know their need to you know visit one of these infusion centers. And ma- the pharmacist might get asked questions about that. Um, would you be able to maybe tell us like what that experience is like for the patient? Like, do they make an appointment? They show up. Uh, what's their typical stay like? What kind of Things happen to the patient, I guess, in one of these ambulatory centers.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, a freestanding infusion center would receive its order from a referring provider, and we say order because it's yes, it is a prescription to some extent, but it's so much more than that. Typically, because these are typically way-based drugs, there's pre-medications that can be IV or oral. Um, there's you know sometimes many pre you know authorization requirements around even clinical prior authorization requirements, where there's a step therapy in place. So try and fill another drug before you get on an infusible drug. So drugs are so expensive, but for the patient and the patient's experience, you know, typically they're trying to manage a chronic illness. Um, Let's take rheumatoid arthritis, for example. So they're trying to manage the rheumatoid arthritis and, you know, they've maybe been on a self injectable like Humira. Well, now they're moving on to Remicade, for example. And obviously they've been doing this at their home. If it's a self injectable with Humira, now they're going to be going to a site. So there's some, Obviously, some nerves and things like that that come all, come with being diagnosed with a higher level of care, typically. So, at least how we ran our infusion centers and how we encourage anyone to run theirs is you white glove service that patient. Uh, you handle the prior authorization, background you know, information that you need from the insurance company to treat the patient. When the patient arrives, you try to have you know small amenities, Wi-Fi, nice comfortable chairs. So most infusion centers that we run into operate like that today. And, you know, it's a really a smooth uh, process for the patients, you know, where there's a lack of uh, access to these infusion centers, you know, in the Northeast, a lot of the infusions still run the hospital, you know, they probably don't have that same experience, unfortunately. Um, But, you know, we encourage our clients that are on our software or our consulting clients to absolutely um, deliver that I don't want to say concierge medicine, but, you know, that higher level of care that they would receive in a hospital and get them out of the hospital field, more like a Starbucks, less like a hospital, if that yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And you mentioned that, uh, you know, payers and insurers, they, they're looking to, you know, they were looking for these types of solutions to increase, you know, accessibility, lower costs. Was there any other market drivers that is maybe making this more, you know, more prevalent? Um, anything that tipped in the market that, really made a way for these type of ambulatory centers to like start popping up and being successful?
1: Yeah. And I don't want you to pretend that they're popping up on every street corner because there's lots of barriers to entry, you know, expertise in healthcare being, being number one. Um, But yes, I mean, I think you just, one, it's cost effective, clinically safe, and two, just the amount of drugs that are hitting the market. I mean, when Brian and I sold our business, there was no, so in treats Crohn's, the Blockbuster drug, there was no Ocrevus. I think Ocrevus is the best-selling genentech drug of all time at launch, at least, around its launch. So Ocrevus now treats MS. Uh, Lentrata wasn't available. So there's just so many more new drugs uh, each and every year, and I would say each and every quarter, um, that are being launched, that it almost necessitates... um, these infusion centers. So, you know, you've got the supply and demand, meaning, you know, patients are getting prescribed these medications. uh, They're being ordered these infusions. but There's nowhere to go other than a hospital and hospitals just, you know, one, it's not their wheelhouse um, and it's just not the best way to treat these infusions for the most part. Now, some hospitals have absolutely figured it out. I don't want to say that in such a broad stroke, but the lower cost side of care is typically an infusion center.
0: Yeah. And it makes For sense. Sure. I mean, even hospitals now they're even in the regular retail side. I mean, not to say it's, you know, any easier in, you know, in particular than compared to infusion, but even hospitals are partnering with retail pharmacies so the that retail chain which is their bread and butter can take over that, you know, their pharmacy operations. So I mean, it's it definitely makes a lot of sense from uh, from the health system at least.
1: Yeah, we're definitely seeing health systems you do do something similar in infusion. Other, you know partnering with with other organizations to fulfill this need that you know that's captured in their health system. Being you know someone's being prescribed infusion, they need a place to go. So yeah. it's a great. It's great to see. So
0: let's dive into a little bit of the details of the software. So you had mentioned that you know uh, we Infuse is one of the first kind of end to end softwares uh, for the space. Now, what are some key features and like how, I'm not sure if since then, you know, had there been competitors that popped up where you're still doing things better, but give us a little bit of insight there um, about the software.
1: Absolutely. I would say we're still the first and only end-to-end solution for infusion centers. Um, most of the infusion centers today, if they don't have we infuse are taking multiple systems, sell spreadsheets. Um, we see Google calendars, you know, we see you know, separate inventory systems. We see inventory managed on Excel, inventory managed on notebooks, nurses documenting on paper. So you really see the full gamut when you don't have we Infuse. But again, WeInfuse being a full end-to-end solution So the moment a physician writes um, uh, an infusion order. And so it's, you know, we have uh, infusion-specific intake that can digest infusion orders based, or based on the medication, setting parameters based on FDA guidance. Um, from there, from the order entry, we move to uh, a prior authorization workflow. Most of these drugs are exceedingly expensive. It can be three dollars to $4,000 a dose, up to $100,000 a dose in the case of Woomtrata. So you really see a broad range of, of expense on the drug side. So there's a whole piece of the application dedicated to walking a patient through the insurance requirements. We call it our, our pre-treatment workflow. Um, so all the pre-treatment work that you do to even... Get a patient on the schedule. From there, we have a chair-based scheduling system, uh, which really is unique. It's built around the duration of the, of the drug. So we pre-populate um, kind of default durations that can be customized by the patient and the drug. Um, from there, we have an inventory management system and then we have a robust reporting system as well, all built into one, a cloud-based system. We try to make it as affordable as possible for the provider as well. And again, our, our market is, you know, standalone infusion centers healthcare organizations that are large with infusion centers, and physician offices with infusion centers.
0: So you mentioned that uh, some part of the operations is nurses potentially documenting like using paper. Um, I think that's a good segue into, uh, you know, maybe roles that healthcare providers are playing in these particular, um, you know, in these particular centers. Uh, What roles, um, whether it be nurses or any other clinicians, what are the different roles that an infusion center um, are available?
1: So there's, that's a great question, and obviously I don't think I mentioned we all, all have a robust clinical treatment node that's very, very intuitive that our nurses typically love. So infusion centers that are billing like a clinic or places service 11 um, have to have a provider on site. A standalone infusion center, you typically see a nurse practitioner, uh, perhaps multiple nurse practitioners, multiple RNs. Uh, a pharmacist if, it, if it's part of a larger healthcare organization, you will absolutely have a pharmacist involved um, helping with drug procurement, uh, not necessarily mixing the drugs because most of these drugs are mixed after the patient's weighed on the counter with aseptic technique. Um, but we definitely have health organizations that are using full clean rooms to mix the drugs as well. But again, I mean the FDA and the FDA guidelines are mixed, you know contemplate mixing the drug at the counter upon, weighing the patient. Um, so But a pharmacist can play a lot of roles, whether it's drug procurement, inventory management, operations expertise. A lot of pharmacists bring a lot of operations acumen to the table in, an, in a larger infusion center operation. We have multiple clients and some of our largest clients absolutely have pharmacists involved in their infusion center operation alongside nurse practitioners, alongside medical directors, alongside nurse, nurses um, and even LVNs as well. So there's multiple clinical hats and operational roles within an infusion center. On top of all those roles, you obviously have the back end roles as well, you know, verifications, verifying insurance, uh, pri- getting your prior authorizations, and then the billing and collections of those claims. Um, it's not made easy. There is no real time adjudication um, in the place of service 11 or the medical benefit professional fee schedule. These, these claims are, it's all under the medical benefits. You do your best to estimate a patient's out-of-pocket, but there's a billing, uh, a significant billing and collections component as well.
0: Gotcha. And forgive me for not knowing this, or if it's even needed in the software. But is there some sort of clinical decision-making engine or alerts that the software comes with?
1: It, so there is some, absolutely. So we have we have a part of that pre-treatment workflow is actually a clinical. Um, there's a clinical review section. So some of our clients utilize that clinical review because they may want a pharmacist or their MP to sign off before they schedule that drug to make sure, you know, they have all the, the preclinical information they need before they treat the patient. That could be labs, um, and it's typically labs, um, any health and history, HMP information that, that they need or they feel like they should need before they treated the patient. So there's a clinical review component as well. Um, and then also we put guidelines based around each medication um, within, you know, kind of some guardrails within each medication to make sure patients or providers or infusion centers don't go too far off track. You can absolutely go off label. So you, but you have to click a separate button to do some of those things. So we definitely provide guardrails.
0: Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So earlier in the, early in the conversation, you mentioned that, you know, these uh, ambulatory centers are not popping up everywhere, which makes sense because there's high barriers to entry. Um, so feeding off that, what are some of the, like the bigger or like unexpected challenges that you, you guys particularly face getting the company going and maybe any other barriers to entry, um, for this particular line of business.
1: So we were starting our infusion centers, again, we're an infusion center software company today. So there wasn't as near as many various entries as there was starting an infusion center, um, an actual infusion center company that was treating patients, et cetera. So, but we started our infusion centers, you know, it's a lot of, you know, Car before the horse, chicken and egg game with a payer. You know, you want to start an infusion center, but you have no patients. But the payer is like, well, you don't have any patients, so you know, why would we give you a contract? So you really have to know your value prop, uh, know what the value prop of an infusion center is, tout your value proposition if you're a pharmacist uh, or a clinician, meaning that you have expertise in this domain, that you know the space well, you've done your homework, I think it's getting the payer contracts is definitely um, from, from private insurers is definitely a, a barrier to entry. Knowing all your state regulatory issue, you know, regulatory um, requirements is definitely key. Each state is different. You know, the very you know, a nurse practitioner has, may have a lot of autonomy in Tennessee, but not as much you know in New York, for example. So you just have to know where they where their you know where their autonomy ends and starts or starts and ends, if you will. Um, and that would be if you had just had a nurse practitioner on site, do you need a physician on site in some States? You know, you just have to go through all the, all the varying, uh, state regulatory requirements as well. So there's definitely some, some, um, you know, some barriers to entry for sure. Yeah.
0: That's interesting that you mentioned, you know, one of them being, you know, getting contracts and being a lot of the pharmacists that are, you know, that are graduating, they have aspirations of owning their own pharmacy, um, whether it be an independent specialty, that kind of thing. But one thing I don't, I also don't think we've actually talked about on here is what is it like trying to get some of those contracts? Can you give us maybe like a high level overview of, um, you know, if someone's interested in obviously starting their own pharmacy and they know one of the big steps is okay, I have to get you know a contract from an insurance company. What's that process like, and what are what are um, you know? Give us some insight there.
1: Yeah, and no, I mentioned earlier it's a chicken and egg game, um, but absolutely. So first and foremost, as part, you know, we don't advertise consulting on our Weed Infused website, but we do this, and we. For all of our consulting clients, we recommend uh, credentialing, payer contracting and credentialing firms that have experience in getting contracts with payers focused on infusion centers. And so they obviously provide a lot of expertise in making sure every single I is dotted and T is crossed appropriately. Because, you I mean, you make one small mistake on your application. Yes, it's fixable, but it can take months because these insurance companies are huge and it's a very bureaucratic system to get mistakes fixed. So I always encourage our clients to, you know, seek out that expertise, you know, get with a payer contracting and credentialing firm that you're confident that can get you those payer contracts, even if it may take, you know, three, six, nine months, at least, you know, they're going to get you a contract at the end of the day. But again, you have to know your value prop. When you, you know, eventually, you know, if you get a no from a payer, you're going to want to "Quote unquote," appeal that decision, get to a higher, you know, a higher level decision maker, so you can state your case. And when I say your value proposition, I really mean, you know, why is infusion centers cost effective? I mean, infusion centers are typically like at least a half the cost of a hospital, so you need to come armed with your data. Um, we we use a couple of source resources to arm our clients with data. One of those is the Magellan report. It's a great report produced by Magellan, um, and it arms our clients with data that they can go, go with and say like, look, here's claims that is showing that infusion centers are more cost effective as um, you know, compared to a hospital. Well, that's what a payer cares about, obviously, but they also want to know you're clinically sound. And so as part not only do they want to know, Hey, we're going to save money, but you also have to prove, Hey, I'm a pharmacist. I know what I'm doing. Uh, I've researched this. I have I have experience here, whatever it is. We want to tout your value proposition to get that payer contract. Yeah. Um, you know, that's how I would, that's how we approach every new infusion center when they're part of a, when it's a new infusion center, part of a larger healthcare organization, a lot of times those healthcare organizations have already contacts at the different payers. So those can be a little easier, but even if it's a startup, that's how we approach it.
0: Yeah. So you just basically fill in out a contract, sending it to the right person. Hopefully they send you back a good email back or, or is it like an online portal that you go on to? I mean, I'm even interested in those specific details.
1: Yeah. So, you know, candidly, I don't get too much in the weeds on that side, but, yeah. you're but yeah, absolutely. It starts with requesting a contract from the contracts department at an insurance company, via email, via phone call. I mean, it's pretty old school. Yeah. Um, and then you'll, and then they'll say, why, what are you doing? Sometimes, sometimes they'll send you over one. Um, but you just start that process, at, at, you know, by grinding it out on the phone, you know, and, and, you know, sending those emails out, trying to request a contract. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like you, just like you probably do starting a pharmacy. It's the same, same way.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you mentioning Magellan too, and they have a lot of great insight um, in the specialty space. And for anyone that's interested, uh, there's like eight, there's an eight episode series we have on here um, with Magellan and insights to all the different pharmacy roles and how pharmacists are playing a role there in specialty and, and their, their, their plans. So, If anyone is interested in that, will you be, uh, will you actually be going to their, they have a specialty conference coming up soon? You go to that
1: usually? I didn't, I actually didn't know that. So the uh, conference I'm going to soon was the National Infusion Center Association Conference. And I didn't say that a part of my background, I should have. Brian Johnson, and I helped start the National Infusion Center Association. Um, Other conferences we attend that we find great value in, um, we tout that one, we're biased we call it NICA. So go to the NICA annual conference, mm. but we also, we also go to a That's a great specialty uh, pharmacy conference for us uh, for, from a networking standpoint, but we go to a lot of conferences. I've not been to that one. I've actually met the folks at Magellan um, a few times. The specific Magellan report I'm referencing is their medical pharmacy trend report. That's the medical pharmacy trend report. That's a really good report as it relates to, um, to biologics i think they call them b days it's like biologic drug autoimmune disorder drug or something I, i'm going to butcher the acronym but that's what you would look for within that report because there's a lot of different things and there is chemotherapy but you really want to look, look around the biologic drugs that's yeah. what we would suggest anyway
0: and i'll try to link that up if i can find it i'll link that up in the uh, in the show notes for anyone that's interested and they want to refer back to that so um, all right. So, what is what is it that you are like? What's most enjoyable about being in the space? Especially, if it seems like you're almost coming from. I know you said you're, you have some background with your family in it, but you're almost kind of coming to the healthcare space with kind of fresh eyes. Um, what What's the most enjoyable, you know, part about being in the space?
1: Well, I think at the end of the day, probably much like pharmacists, you know, you're helping a patient. So yes, we have a software system, and we primarily interface with providers and clinicians and decision makers at infusion centers. But at the end of the day, the whole purpose is to make a infusion center profitable, more efficient, so they can see more patients, you know, in a more cost-effective and safer uh, and more clinically advantageous way. And so that's really what's awesome. And yes, definitely approach it with new eyes and I think Brian's the same way, you know, my co-founder, business partner, he really approaches things, you know, just like that. We're trying to solve complex, exceedingly complex problems. We're trying to do it as simply as possible. Um, Hopefully, folks would agree our software is very intuitive and try to make it that way, at least Uh, building it with fresh eyes. So, So much of healthcare software is so archaic. And so we're really trying to bring just a new, more consumer feel to our software and I don't know if we're doing a good job at it. We like to think we are. I yeah. think some of our clients like would say we are. Um, you can listen to our podcast. We have a lot of our clients on there. We have a, our own podcast as well. So they'll, uh, I guess, they'll be the true test.
0: Yeah. So what's your podcast? Uh, what's the name of it? And like, what can listeners expect to if uh, they want to check it out? What can they expect to yeah. hear?
1: Yeah. Our podcast is available at weinfuse.com. dot com. Find us on, or you can it's just the We Infuse podcast on iTunes or any of the major. Um, you know podcast outlets if you will um but we focus on the infusion center delivery channel it's you know obviously a niche within healthcare that we hyper focus on and we try to bring a lot of different insights like our next upcoming episode that we haven't even recorded yet will be a lawyer that specializes in the space to nice. talk about the regu- regulatory requirements um uh, but it can be we've had pharmacists on there we've had um rheumatologists on there we've had um you know, operators on there. So we just try to bring different lenses to actually owning and operating infusion center. I think there's pearls and gold nuggets in each and every interview uh, on there. Hopefully our audience would agree.
0: Yeah, and I'll I'll put the link to that also in the show notes as well. um, Because that sounds super interesting. I I love the, you know, I feel like as as niches, and I I talk about this a lot, like, you know, people are always worried about and not sure about what to do with their careers and all this kind of stuff. Like find a niche, the more niche you can go into something is likely, especially if you're passionate about it, the more successful you are likely you're going to have of a career. So, um, it's awesome to hear that there's a lawyer on there that specializes so niche in <laughs> yeah technology. yeah it's awesome. It's crazy. So, um, so uh, in in a general from a general perspective, what what to you is like the most exciting thing about healthcare? Um, whether it be like a piece of technology, a movement, um, you know, it could stay within the field of infusion. What what to you is the most exciting thing about healthcare right now?
1: Well, I mean, I think. Our healthcare brings challenges each and every day. Whether it's the changing payer landscape, pen stroke risk—you know, the the risk that a government can just put a new regulatory a regulation and you have to figure out a way to comply. Um, so there's just new challenges each and every day. And uh, being a software provider and a software partner uh, to our clients, we're trying to solve those. And so there is no like typical day in healthcare. <laughs> uh, I mean, we all have routines and things like that. But what's fun and exciting is we're always trying to solve complex challenges. At the end of the day, we're treating patients and, and these patients in some manner, you know, have an autoimmune disorder. Typically, that's mostly what's going through our application and our focus. And so it's just knowing that you're, you're trying to help benefit the ultimate end user, which is not even the client using the software, it's actually the patient. I think that's what excites me. Um, what excites me too is just the number of drugs that are being released to treat the various autoimmune disorders. Um, drugs are getting more and more targeted, and uh, more you talk about niches. I mean, they're, it's getting really, really focused, uh, and drugs are getting more and more targeted around certain therapies, which is really, really neat to see. And hopefully, this space will just continue to evolve, and it has significantly, even since we first got into it.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. So, before I let you go, a random curveball question. If you had to take one individual out to dinner, this person has to be alive and they have to be famous, which means they should have a Wikipedia page. Who would that be <laughs> and why?
1: Wow, you know, that is a curveball. Uh, so I, I really like. There's an author I read a lot. His name's Mark Batterson. He um, just really encouraging to pursue your dreams, chase. He says chase your lion, chase chase the lion, run to the roar. And I like to wake up like that every day. Just read something really encouraging, encourages me. Bob Goff's another great guy uh, that I really love to read. So those two, I love to take them out to dinner, just pick their brains. They're they're entrepreneurs in their own right, um, and just love to get to learn from them.
0: Nice, awesome. Well, some people have some homework to go find out who those people are and see if you know they'd connect the same way. So, uh, all right, how can people connect with you if they want to? If they want to reach out.
1: Yeah, I'm available. Just go to our website. any uh, Info at weinfuse.com goes directly to me. Sales at weinfuse.com goes directly to me and our sales team. Um, those are two generic emails. My email is reese.norris at weinfuse.com. So send me an email. I'm available on LinkedIn. Um, you guys can find me there as well. I would love to talk to anyone who likes to listen about Infusion. It's a passion. Hopefully you can see that and hear that over this podcast. We're exceedingly passionate about this space. Um, and I am Brian is our whole team is candidly because um, it, it's kind of like you drink the Kool-Aid and get on the bus or you probably won't <laughs> like working for us you know yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's been a, it's been a fun fun journey for sure
0: awesome well Reese thank you so much for being on the show we appreciate all your insight
1: hey thank you so much Richard
0: hope You guys enjoyed that episode, I sure did. Um, a lot of great insights there into a really, really niche field. And um, you know, hopefully, that sparked some interest in any pharmacists out there looking to get into that space, whether it be on the software side or on the operations or clinical side. Make sure to connect with us on any of your favorite social media platforms. And as always, I really, really, really do appreciate you tuning in and listening to all the content. Hope you have a great rest of your day.